and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing at about 6 a.m. on Monday morning here in Manila. And I have no idea what time it is on Sunday evening in Venice, but that's where you are, Tim Bontemps. What time is it? It's 12. It's 10 minutes after 12 on Monday morning. Oh, and I'm so sorry. It's congrats on uh, congrats on your imminent departure, hopefully, from the Philippines after a successful World Cup. For you, at least. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if. Uh, well, anyway, uh, joining us from Dallas, Texas, where I know it's Sunday afternoon, early evening. There is Bam McMahon. Howdy, partners! Been a disappointing uh, week one for fantasy football teams, so I'm happy to interrupt the NFL Sunday and uh, let's focus on some hoops. Something I think I know a little bit about. Apparently, I don't know squat about the NFL right now. Before Brian got on, McMahon was regaling me with uh, the stories of how terrible all of his football things oh. have been through week one. And it's, it was not great. I also let myself, great. I got suckered into being way too involved in low-level football gambling this year. So <laughs> I've, got, I've got a pigs pool, a fantasy league, and then a daily fantasy thing oh. that passed all season. I'm like, Jesus, man, I don't have time for this crap. <laughs> and then the IT department, she freaking has a, a league for her work. She doesn't take my advice, but then she blames me when the, uh, the freaking, you know, the, the like AI thing for her, gave her draft an F. <laughs> Careful. Ain't, first of all, ain't the, only, ain't the only F I've ever been given, so it didn't bother me. <laughs> right. It's just a piece of regular business for you. Yeah, when you wake up in the uh, Philippines and you have no idea what happened on NFL Sunday, there's a drama as the ESPN app loads. Like, uh, how'd this go? Yeah, what do you get? What are you going to get? That's right. I did watch the uh, Cleveland Browns from 1 to about 2.30 a.m. after leaving um the world championship game between germany and serbia but they uh, shut down the two germany germany and serbia played in the world cup championship game that can't be right it Hmm. was right believe it or not um all right but let's start with the team usa just i don't know how to put it they fell flat on their face since we last talked Uh, i lost three of their last four games their defense was I, i don't even know the correct term because abysmal it it was yeah, and let's call it, and let's call it like it is. They lost their last three games against real teams too. No, no disrespect to the country I'm living in, but or I'm Jeez. currently situated in. But the Italians are not on anywhere near the level of the other. Well, three teams. the Italy beat Serbia the last three times they played them uh, the, once this summer and twice last year. I mean, I uh, Italy of the teams that made the quarterfinals, uh, I think Italy and Latvia were two of the teams that were not as accomplished. So the Latvia finished fifth and was right there, almost beat Germany. So I'm not not taking anything away from them, but uh, Latvia's best finished ever, by the way, without Chris Epps Porzingis. But Italy, mm-hmm. of those of the eight teams that left, you know, were left, Italy was probably performed the, the poorest. But back to no D in Team USA. So the, these three losses that they had, they gave up an average of 117. And even if you want to partially throw the Canadian number out, at least in the because they gave up 127 to Canada. That was an overtime, but they gave up over 110 in regulation in all three. And regulation is four. Yes. 40 minute games. Mm-hmm. And That's a lot of points. You know, a, a week ago, I thought they had a chance to win. I felt that they were a little bit shaky rebounding wise. And I felt if they lost, it would be because they couldn't rebound. And that was. True, they got obliterated on the boards against Montenegro, who they beat as a sort of a harbinger. And then Lithuania, obviously, 
Germany, who destroyed them, scored 25 second chance points on 12 uh, offensive rebounds. I still don't even know how they pulled that off. That was that was wild. And then Canada um, not only wasn't so much a rebounding thing, but it was uh, um, just a execution thing. But part of what was happening is that their their lack of size showed up more than just in rebounding. And the team ultimately is a it's absolutely a failure team. It failed in a, more spectacularly than I anticipated that it could. Mm-hmm. Before we go into it real quick, I just want to say one thing. They they went to overtime against Canada thanks to a play by Mikhail Bridges that will one of the most remarkable plays I've ever seen. But they went it to was overtime truly against wild. Canada. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute. They went to overtime against Canada. So they lost in overtime. They lost by two to Germany, and they lost by six to Lithuania. So as we discuss what happened and what they've got to do about it before Paris, it wasn't like they were getting destroyed. They got destroyed defensively, but they didn't get destroyed as a team. And so... I mean, they had the three three worst defensive games in the history of the program the last three games. Totally agree. But just as we go into this, I just want to say, it wasn't like this team was a eon away from winning. Now, they definitely got beat all three times. But Dude, Team USA does not mind. get a participation ribbon. Clearly, <laughs> come on. Clearly, I think you can make um, a. I think you can make an argument that this is a a more disappointing to maybe much more disappointing performance than 2019 when they finished. I, that I when they when they when in 2019 they lost to France in the quarterfinals. This team this year didn't play in the winners bracket any of the six best teams in the tournament. They didn't play Germany. They didn't play Slovenia. They, they didn't did, play Canada. They, did play, they didn't play Australia. They did play, they did play Germany, but okay. You can take yes. Germany. If your point, if your point that their draw was much, their draw and travel was much simpler. You are hundred percent right about they that. Had, they had the easiest possible path they could have had. And then they got demolished defensively in their last three games against legitimate competition that could beat them. They lost in 2019. They lost the first, the quarterfinal game to one of the best teams in the world. So, and then after they that, the, like they don't they care about the, playing at that point. Right. I know they lost the semifinal game by two to the team that was undefeated. So just, again, but, I, I'm not, I'm not defending them. I just want to make that clear. Yeah. That it I mean, wasn't they like been, they were getting boat raced. I'm just, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, no I mean, problem. Got, we're not saying that. 12 quality NBA players and they're playing a bunch of teams that if like Canada had a lot, it was seven. NBA players like uh, right. I don't want I don't want to def- I don't want to defend them. I just want to have a baseline understanding that it wasn't like this team was nowhere close, had no well, business even being in the tournament. Well, here, I just, I just well, wanted to be clear. Well, yeah, of course that. Yes, of course the team deserved to be like. Yeah, we have a lot of talent on the roster. They were in the games. I think the 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 most important thing I think that we can learn from the way this tournament has gone the way the 2019 tournament went, frankly, the way the 21 Olympics went when you had Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum and Devin Booker and Bam Adebayo and Draymond Green, all these guys, and they barely won the gold in that tournament with the way our structure is set up, despite the fact that we are going to have the most talent in every tournament. It's basically a new roster every single time. And you look at these teams that we're playing now, you look at Germany. They've, They've played year after year. You wrote about this. They've had this group year after year with several NBA players or NBA quality players playing. They went to Eurobasket last year and won the bronze. 
You look at the way France has had the same group together for mm-hmm. a decade, Spain for a decade. I, I don't I, I don't think that's a hundred percent true. Yes, they're in certain circumstances. I think there are teams that have had five to seven years on the US, and that makes a difference. But it Germany at the last World Cup finished 18th. The the this team essentially for Germany was formed last year. Germany yeah. basically had a one year head start on the U.S. and I don't well, want to get these too guys, far ahead of but myself, these guys, but, but these guys play in these guys okay. play for their national team over and over and over well, again. The same guys, all these guys. Okay, what about Serbia? Serbia won the silver, right? They didn't have Joker. Like it's a year to year thing. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? They didn't have. He, uh, yes, but Schre- they, like yes, De- yes he, Dennis Schroeder, who was the MVP of the tournament, he has played with the national team over the last decade many times. There are, and the, uh, but yeah. I, I, I just want to just say I don't think like that is true. But the U.S. is never going to have a team for ten years. Well, but, but I, I know, but that, but that's years, my, I think it would be a, a good start. Well, but, but that's I don't my get, point. Well, but I, I, I okay, let's an, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, time out. Let's talk about the the structural changes in a minute. I, I just want to focus more on what happened with this team first. Well, I know. I'm just going to say that there's, I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but I, I don't, it's valid, but not the whole thing about, I think just saying, well, we don't have a team that gets to play together for 10 years is a cop out is what I'm saying. But I don't, but I don't think, I don't think I'm not saying that either, to be clear. I think it's a, I think what we've seen now is that we're not just going to talent our way to winning these tournaments. Especially not with yes, a B that's, team. But that's been true. That's been true for a while. It's been true for the last two tournaments. When with when we showed up with a B team in this tournament, we got beat and got beat in fairly convincing fashion with the way this team guarded defensively. Okay, in when, the twenty one in the twenty one Olympics, we had an A level team and they barely won. They won, but it was it was a tight run thing. The other thing is the the one key thing between twenty nineteen and this year. That team had Miles Bridge or Miles, not Miles Bridges, Miles Turner and Brooke Lopez as their centers, two guys who were poor defensive rebounders. This team had no defensive rebounding and they got killed inside the whole tournament. And that is something when you look at the way FIBA is played, where all these teams are playing centers, they all play big, they all play physical. This idea of playing small and outrunning teams is in trying to outscore teams, which is basically what the plan for this group was from the jump. It's not likely going to work because it's just, it's counter to the way the international game is played. And if you say, well, in 2021, they played small, they didn't really play small. They had the two best American defensive centers in the world on their team and Draymond Green and Bam Adebayo playing 40 minutes of every game. If these guys had Bam and Draymond playing 40 minutes every game, they, they'd have won the tournament. So I think those are the two main things. Okay. Learn Thanks for that. Eat some pasta. Let's listen to the guy who actually covered the every single game and every single practice. Okay. So I would just say that it wasn't you, just it wasn't just size. Yes, there were times where it was just really big guys in there that got him. It was the strategy that Steve Kerr played. And this strategy was decided in like April, May, and June. It wasn't decided when they got here to the Philippines. But they decided that they were going to switch pretty much all pick and rolls. And so it wasn't just that Josh Hart 
was having problems dealing with Daniel Tice. Okay. It was that when mm. you commit to switching and putting Mikhail Bridges or Austin Reeves onto power forwards and centers, which is what those teams did, or Cam Johnson, you aren't, it's not just because of the height in there. Some of the was just getting bullied. Even Paolo Bancaro. Paolo Bancaro, in my opinion, played reasonably well defensively. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't come up with an edit where you found him, you know, getting beat, but I felt he worked very hard in the post and he was very dedicated to the role they were being asked. But there were times where he was out of position on who he was at being asked to guard. And so what you kept seeing is, is that these teams like, okay, if the U.S. is going to switch everything, and Steve Kerr got asked about this because the, 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 the European teams, as soon as they saw the U.S. was playing, they were like, I can't believe they're playing that way. I can't believe that they're going to actually switch. Now, it wasn't the only thing the U.S. did. The U.S. played some, some half-court trap where they were throwing double teams, and they, 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 they used a diamond in one press a lot, more than I've ever seen a U.S. team do. It wasn't all just straight switching, but a lot of their half-court defense, especially after not getting a basket, was just a straight switch. And the teams not only punished that with, with going inside there, but then you had shots going up, especially three-point shots going up, where you had sort of not even just smaller, but lighter guys going in there, and they just couldn't mm -hmm. get defensive rebounds. It got to the point against Germany where when the U.S. was able to get the ball out of a rebound, I was like, wow, that was a good job because they weren't just even able to get the ball. And it wasn't like they weren't playing hard. If you watched them, they were giving effort. They were just ill-equipped. So I think that the next thing would be to say, well, then Steve Kerr should have played bigger and more bulk, and he should have used Bobby Portis and Walker Kessler, the two guys who played basically the least on the team. Maybe Cam Johnson played a little bit less than Bobby Portis. But that he had on his roster, he had the capability to actually play somewhat big. And that is true, but that was just, you know, the, the decision was made that they were going to play small. And even in the last game against Canada, when the U.S. came from, they were behind by 13 and actually came back and got a tie, Steve Kerr had decided that he was going to play small and, and live or die with playing small. And in that game, he finished like the last seven minutes of regulation and then most of overtime playing basically five small players. Not that you would call Mikhail Bridges short, but certainly light. He was playing Josh mm -hmm. Hart at center. Um, now also for the last game, uh, Brandon Ingram missed the last two games with an illness. Paolo Bancaro and Jaron Jackson missed uh, the game on Sunday with illness. There is something that's going through the team. You know, the C word is not being said. I don't know. It was just an upper respiratory illness is what they said for, for Ingram. They didn't say on Jackson and Ben Carroll and Steve Kerr said that illness was going through the team. So on Sunday, that wasn't quite the same deck that Kerr was holding, hmm. but he still decided not to play Portis and Walker Kessler down the stretch of that game. And he just decided, look, I'm going to, he wants to play small. He put the, he designed the team to play small and fast and it, and it failed. It failed in his face. And so of course, those of us in the media asked him about this. Okay. We said, well, what about size? Do you have to go get some size for next year? And this is his quote, which I'm going to read. I think this is a worthwhile point of discussion, but the discussion has to be, okay, then who is that? 
You can't just say we're going to have size for size sake. You have to have the players who are going to help you win. You have to determine who those guys are. It's the way the game is played. And he compared them to Serbia, which Serbia, he was pointing out, didn't have great size. Although I felt that if I mean, they played I mean, in the US, just, that's just fundamentally not true, though. Like they have, well, they have one of the best centers in Europe who started every game for them. Quote, like I quote, yeah. they don't look like a massive team to me, but they've got some guys who are really um, into the ball and their team defense is excellent. That's what Kerr said. He, look, he I'm, it's not just me saying that. So go back okay, to my point. Before, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I quote again, done. quote from quote from Kerr quote. I All don't right. think it's as simple as saying it's just size. You have to examine who you're talking about if you're going down that path. All right. That's, that's, well, that's my well, look, I mean, I, yes, obviously, Joel Embiid would be nice. Ba having Bam Adebayo and Draymond Green would be nice. I, I mean, look, their coaches are both coaching this team. I think it's safe to assume that those guys are going to be asked to play next year. And I suspect they're both going to play. Draymond was at the Puerto Rico game in Las Vegas with Kevin Durant. I think there's a decent chance if Kevin's healthy, he'll play. He's always wanted to play. And if Bam Adebayo was playing, this team looks fundamentally different but again like my point from the beginning was yeah steve kerr from the beginning has built this team to play small and fast but if you're going to have an entire team playing small and fast in a tournament where everybody else is playing big and physical it puts you at a pretty significant disadvantage and that's where our talent advantage got whittled away as the tournament went on because you had these bigger more physical teams able to lean in and get offensive rebounds get extra second chance points all that kind of stuff and that the other thing for 2019, we saw small guards fail in that tournament with Kemba Donovan Mitchell as the main scorers. Jalen Brunson as point guard of this team. Obviously, Steve Kerr said he was the leader of the team from the beginning. He was going to be the starter the whole time, the way Steve set that up. You talked about it a bunch, Brian. Tyrese Halliburton was better than him throughout this tournament. He was better than him last yes. year or two during the season. Like Steve, Halliburton didn't have the his, whole time. Halliburton didn't have his best game on Sunday. But yes, I would say that it would have been fair. And a fair assessment would have been that Halliburton probably should have started over Jalen Brunson. That's fair. In 172 minutes, he was plus 105. In 162 minutes, Jalen was plus 33. So, so three times, three times as effective, essentially, by that one metric, at least. But look, it's like ultimately, if your if your philosophy is going to be we're going to switch and play fast in FIBA, nobody plays that way in the international game, and that's part of our problem. We don't as as a country. There's not a ton of elite size right now. And the thing that was just, to me, crazy about the way he ran this whole program was he had Walker Kessler sitting there, who's a pretty good facsimile of Steven Adams in every way, and never played him with Jaron Jackson Jr. at all the entire time. Like, I'm not saying he's got to play 40 minutes a game, but you have a blueprint with Jaron Jackson Jr. that works with Memphis, where Jaron Jackson is a, frankly, bad to terrible rebounder and always has been. And you had him playing as the only center on the team. Like you were going to be a bad rebounding team then. Jaron was awful. I don't even know how I will say it. Jaron was awful. His fouling, which we already knew. And well, they that's knew the thing. Too. They, they, he was doing the things he always does, but they didn't ever put him in the same position he plays in, in the NBA next to a guy to get rebounds and do the stuff he doesn't do really well. Like that, that was where he, I just didn't understand the way they went about using it. He averaged basically the same amount of fouls as he did rebounds. Less than ideal. Unacceptable. His inability to get some rebounds and then also inability to be on the court. So he can't rebound from the bench was 
devastating. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only way that's acceptable is if you're playing in summer league and you're getting 10 fouls. Well, he got, he, he averaged 2.9 rebounds. Oof. So he only averaged 17 minutes because again, he couldn't be on the court and you know, he, he made a couple, you know, some of the fouls, I mean, look, if he's, if he's meeting seven footers at, at the, at the rim, trying to block their shots, that's one thing, but a lot of his fouls that got him into trouble were not on shot um, defense fouls. So the, the lack of production in the center position was difficult. I would say that Walker Kessler who, Averaged eight minutes a game was the by far the least played player. Had moments where he looked like he could be effective, at other moments where he looked raw and out of place. I also just never got a chance to play. Really, I mean, he played him like what twice, really, and one of them was today when all the other bigs were out. Yeah, Yeah. and and he ultimately again ultimately decided not to have Walker out of the court. And like by the way, against Canada, it was more comfortable. They were Dwight Powell was playing center. Yeah, for the Canadians for a big part of the game. The, by the way, the Filipinos just loved this game that they played on Sunday because it was it was an NBA game. Total free-flowing, very little physicality, um, you know, off the ball. It was, you know, the guys were playing in the NBA. And that's what the Filipinos like. And they liked seeing Shea Gildas-Alexander go head-to-head with, Bridge, with Bridges. And they loved Dylan Brooks going head-to-head with Anthony Edwards and going back and forth. And both teams were comfortable that that game wasn't about physicality as much as it was about an inability to even begin to challenge the Canadians. You know, the, the U.S. did almost nothing that was disruptive. There, there were times in the tournament where they where they had an advantage at guard and they pressured the ball where Mikhail Bridges and Ty- Tyrese Halliburton and Austin Reeves and Anthony Edwards like pressured the ball. And the guards who are weaker, because most European teams have got, have are, are you know mm-hmm. out of position at guard or on the perimeter against the U.S. There were times when they were disruptive that way, but against the elite teams that had very good guards, especially Schroeder, and then obviously <laughs> Shea, <laughs> Shea was not bothered. Uh, they they were not disruptive at all. Like uh, the the teams were able, like they were they were expending effort defensively. It wasn't like they were not digging hard or whatever. Although the way the Americans played and comparing them to the way the Serbians played was different. I mean, the Serbians played like every possession was game seven of the finals because to them it was, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't like a flagrant, like not caring. They cared. It's just, they were ill-equipped to disrupt the opponent. And boy, was that true against Canada who just ran whatever they wanted and were very relatively easily able to generate open shots every possession. Listen, and clearly, here's the thing, though. clearly McMahon, they didn't on their scouting report, giving Dylan Brooks open threes was not a problem. Yeah. I, I they, they have no reason to respect Dylan Brooks though, because he didn't score 40 on them. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't respect anybody in this. They give me 40 to quote the villain. McMahon's had that one locked and loaded for 12 <laughs> hours now. Hey, but you know what? Dylan Brooks, I mean, he, he the reason it's funny is because he had, if he, if you don't know, he had 39. He had 39. He went and seven for eight, eight from three. Seven yeah, for Dylan, eight. And, and hey, you know what? For Canada, it is their first medal. I think when do you sit since the 36 Olympics in, in men's basketball? That's right. Yeah, it's the biggest, biggest game they've ever played today. So, you know, hats off to him. Finishing, finishing third for them is a, is a, you know, a, a monumental accomplishment for that program. Um, and Dylan had a great tournament uh, throughout the tournament. 
and a whole lot to say, you know, I mean, and, and, and he, he usually has a whole lot to say, except for when he pokes the bear and it blows up in his face. That was <laughs> the, the seriously, the, that playoff series was a notable exception when he had nothing to say after yep. you know things blew up, but he played extremely well. You, he's always going to play great defense. Like that's no surprise, but the way he shot the ball in this tournament, the way he scored, uh, he has reason to feel pretty good about himself. And he, you know, I'm, I am a little concerned about if he's going to injure his shoulder by patting himself on the back so much <laughs> and, and, and you know, with such force. But hey, the man had a hell of a tournament. Well, so before we talk about the Canadians and the Germans, this was a tremendously enjoyable Team USA to cover. I loved this group. I've covered three World Cups now. The U.S. has not won gold in any of them. In fact, they haven't reached the oh, title the game problem. in any of them. I see the problem. Yeah, I'm I'm done. I do not think that care. I thought this team had great camaraderie. I think they 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 cared about each other. I think they cared about being here. I think that they played hard. I think that they were not equipped to compete, as you guys have said, against especially the European teams that they played. And there was a structural flaw, not a character flaw. I okay. want to be clear about that. My God. They didn't get a medal, well, but they got what, a bunch of no, no, no medal, but well, a bunch of Boy Scout badges. Well, yeah, I that's mean, fine. On. But I'm going to tell you, in 2006, that team, when they went to play Greece, was not prepared to play the game. And I'm not saying that about this team. Okay, they were flawed in their design. They were they were not prepared to guard in the game. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I they were not equipped to guard in the game. Mikhail Bridges was working his butt off. Well, Alex that's was working his butt off. But when he's guarding a seven footer, well, he, wow, he, he couldn't knock the lamp over. I know. I mean, well, the, I mean, and look, we praised this group a bunch for how it was put together by Steve Kerr and Co. And look, they they botched that in this regard. And like, we didn't, at least I certainly well, the difficulty think about to, it to, to as Curtis much at the point time. Is we don't have a report on who was asked to play and said, no, mm-hmm. that well, report yeah, is might not just available. be the, might just be the best that they could have done, but they did. There, there are certain big men. Like there are certain players, you know, why they didn't play because they were resting up for next summer. And there are other things out there. There are other players, you know, certain centers who didn't play because they had personal reasons. Some of them had deaths in the family that are not public. Some of them, had, you know, injuries that, you know, were, were not public, you know, that's one thing. And that's kind of what Kerr, I think is saying, well, who, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, it, well, he they had can't a pretty show good one on his roster. He had a pretty good one on his roster. He just didn't play. So no, that would have been a good but, start. And, and I, just, and I know your opinion on that bond temps, but I, if they well, play for 20 minutes, they were still not winning this title. Well, I, I just, it's because they built the team in a way from the beginning where they were going to play small and fast and switch it all over the place. That's what they were going to do, which is what they did. So, and they could have won that way, but they didn't in the end that didn't work, but it wasn't like it was, Oh my God, what a horrible disaster. Well, they had, I mean, they had the three worst defensive performances ever the last three games. So I don't, I don't, I think I would say it's a pretty flawed approach if that's the result. That's what I would say. Yes. it, it, It didn't work, but again, they didn't lose by 40. They lost by six, to again, again, I'm happy. I'm happy that okay. they, they lost. No, hey, no, nobody compliments losers like Wendy. This is like when the, the Lakers had the most competitive sweep in the history of the NBA. That's true. Well, this is just did. like that. They, damn it. Hey, this just, they did. This, whole, this but, team proved the old adage. Nice guys finish fourth. That's right. <laughs> very, very true. Before we go oh on. God. I just want to comment real quick on the play Mikhail Bridges made. I feel like this play is going to be lost to history because it happened in a third place game on the first Sunday of the NFL 
also because like, it happened like in the world. <laughs> also at at 5 a.m. And I mean, just to say, I mean, look, um, our company, ESPN, didn't even put this game on the air. Uh, they elected to put the game on ESPN Plus only and not even on ESPN2. So that, you know, that's our company making that decision. So it is what it is. So, uh, but, and again, <laughs> the fact that they needed to get to 113 um, 13 right. points to, to make it to overtime, giant flashing red light. But with four seconds left, Mikhail Bridges um, was at the line and the U.S. was down by three. And to Bontemps was probably asleep on this. No, you were awake because you were in Italy, but you were probably uh, yeah, asleep. I, I was. I actually. I turned on the game to watch this and saw. I saw this play because I thought the game was going to end, was, and it didn't. Bontemps was very excited because Kerr put Bobby Portis and Walker Kessler in because he needed, <laughs> needed a rebound, and uh, he told Mikhail to miss. And um, obviously, the Canadians knew what was coming, mm-hmm. um, and so they. They were trying to focus on boxing out those two guys. Mikhail missed perfectly. It was, um, you know, we had two situations in the NBA this year where missed free throws led to incredible shots. One was Luca, you remember, yeah. where he missed, grabbed the rebound, and threw it back in to force overtime. And he like used the yeah. shaking hands, like he couldn't even believe he pulled it that, off. That was his 60 20, 21 10 game, I believe. The 60 point triple double game. Yes, one of the great moments of the season. The other time was when Donovan Mitchell, in his 70-point game for the Cavs, he missed, got the rebound, and threw it in. In the the individual play, up there in the top five of the most amazing individual plays Mm -hmm. uh, that was made in the whole NBA season. Again, both of those guys having unconscious nights. Now, it wasn't, you know, this was basically an NBA game. I think what Bridges pulled off was more amazing because I think he used a little bit more time, but... He threw the ball off the rim. It ricocheted out to the right. Everybody goes to fight underneath. He's able to run and catch it. But then what he did was the difficulty. And I know Luca making it, maybe Luca was more difficult because he he didn't even like look or whatever. Mikhail got the ball, spun, did a spin move while stepping backwards or moving backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't quite the Ray Allen step back. Spun kind of in midair and shot a three from the corner and goes in to make a four point play, but that three points to force overtime. It was absolutely jaw dropping. It was essentially Chris Uh, Bosch getting the rebound in that game six and then going out to the corner himself and making the three with a spin move. With with a spin move. (laughs) Um, And Mikhail Mikhail just couldn't even bring himself really to talk about it afterwards. One of the shots of his career because he was so upset they lost. Try to go find it because it was. If you're watching if, on YouTube, I don't know if Jackson's yeah. able. If to you play somehow, if you somehow haven't if, are listening this far and haven't seen this play, I'd be surprised. But if you haven't, make sure you go find it because it was insane. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. 
And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. All right. Now, the Canadians. Okay. We'll talk more about the U.S. and whatever later, but the Canadians. Shea Gildas Alexander is a bad man. He's Stuff pretty we good. already all knew. Stuff we already all knew. Okay. He averaged... 25, 6, and 6 on 54% shooting in this tournament. When this game went to overtime, Shea was like, all right, that wasn't fun. Give me the ball. Scored the first seven points of overtime and hit Mikhail Bridges with a step back that mm-hmm. Bridges Bridges went flying. And this is the thing, like, um, Mikhail Bridges is working his, his backside off. I'm not sure you're going to pick. If I said go pick a player in the NBA to defend Shea, Mm-hmm. Maybe you'd pick Mikhail Bridges. Maybe you wouldn't. But if he's on the short, he's on. Yeah, he's on the short list for sure. And he was working real hard and there was nothing that could be done. And Shea was just jaw dropping the awesome. Just jaw dropping the awesome. Dylan Brooks was the hero of Canada and he was running around. You know, he had 39 points in this game, had a bunch of assists. He was defending Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards had 24. It wasn't like Kent didn't get his. But but Shea Gildas Alexander. And, and Dennis Schroeder won MVP of the tournament, and rightly so. But Shea Gildas-Alexander, not as if we didn't already know, he put his stamp on this event. And that bronze medal going back to Canada because of him. And look, they're going to be hunting for that silver, hunting for that gold next year because of I was going to say, listen, he's the primary reason that Canada's a real threat at a World Cup at the Olympics next year. And he's the primary reason why I think sooner than later, Oklahoma City Thunder are going to be a real threat in the NBA. Now, primary reason, there's a lot of pieces that are are falling in place and, you know, potential to fall in place in the near future. But if you don't have a dude like that, you don't have a chance. And he is definitely that level of dude. Look, in that game today, there was one guy who was an All-NBA player this year, and it was Che Gildas-Alexander. And he looked like an All-NBA player in that game. And he's looked like an All-NBA player throughout the whole tournament. He's I mean, he's just taken step by step by step. And like you said, big man, there's a lot of good things going on in Oklahoma City. We'll see how Chet looks this year. Jalen Williams looks great. There's a lot of things to be excited about. By the way, Josh like, Giddy had a, I named him to my all um, tournament yeah. team and he was named, I can't, they gave him some a rising star and newcomer of the year or something. Uh, Josh Giddy yeah. had a, you know, the Young Australians player. were very different. The Australians were very disappointing. They didn't make the quarterfinals, but Josh Giddy, as long as you're talking about Thunder players. Well, for what sure. Was your yeah. Tournament they, team. I want to hear this. What was your all tournament team? Oh, I picked it before the final. Let's see, I want to be 100% right. I mean, obviously, Shea, Anthony Edwards. Did you have Schroeder on there? Shea, Anthony Edwards. Luca, I assume. Luca. Bogdanovich. I mean, the man came on our podcast. Uh, here we go. I got it. I got it. Uh, Bogdan. Yeah, you guys figured it out. Okay, first team, Anthony Edwards, <laughs> Shea Gildas, Alexander, Luka Doncic, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Dennis Schroeder. Second team, Mikhail Bridges, Josh Giddy, Carlick Jones from the South Sudan, who went 25 and 10 mm, in this good. tournament. Our, Carl Anthony Towns, who the Dominicans got within one game of making the uh, quarterfinals, which would have been great. He averaged 24 and 8 and shot 40% on threes. You can debate whether or not he should have been on there. And then uh, 
Nikola Militanov from Serbia, who is their center. Um, mm-hmm. I could have gone with a lot of different players at that spot. He's a seven footer who was an absolute beast. Um, didn't play yeah, the best an, game in the final. He's an NBA level center. Spurs drafted a while ago. That just been at the top of the the list in Europe Europe for a while. But yeah, um, the, the, but actually, yeah, the but, Nets have his rights now. But he's oh, not coming right. over. He just he, he just signed in Greece. Yeah, but like you look at the two biggest games for Canada, right? They play Spain in the the last round, last game of the second round. Game goes to overtime. Like their chances of going to the Olympics are on the line. They got to win that game to do it. He scored or assisted every basket the final five minutes of the game, won them the game. Today, they have this crazy play by Mikhail Bridges. It's like, oh, man, Canada's going to lose. Like, how is U.S. is going to win this game? Like you said, he comes out, immediately gets a, a, a step-back jumper, hits a three, gets another bucket. They're up seven straight points. They're off and running. They cruise in overtime and win. Like, he he okay. just delivered Hold on. at every point. For I'm them. an active participant in this SGA Love Fest. Don't say the two <laughs> biggest games. That the the loss to Serbia was a pretty big game. Oh, yes. fair, so fair, fair point. Okay. Fair point. All right. So I'll point something out about Mr. Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks against Spain, winner or go home. Eight of twelve shooting, three of three from three, twenty-two points. Versus Slovenia, five of seven shooting, three of five from three gets contributes to getting Luca ejected, gets himself ejected. Yeah. But played very well. Against Serbia, not as good a shooting game, five of twelve, three of eight, was mired in foul trouble. The Canadians got FIBA'd in that game. Uh they were more fouls called against Canada in the first three quarters of that game than in any game in this tournament. And I believe it might have been even in, in modern history. The Canadian now, now they were fouling a little bit, but one of the things about FIBA that is um, strange is that off ball, they will sometimes allow straight up hand fighting. There'll be guys pulling switch blades on each other off the ball. And then on ball, if a guy drives and there's a minor bump foul, and it's very difficult for the um, uh, NBA players to figure out. Um, but that's the way it is. And, and in that game, I think like in the first half, Canada must've gotten called for six blocking fouls. And like there was contact, but what the Canadians were just, they just, they couldn't bring themselves to understand was that like, that's the way the game was going to be called. Um, And and to Tim's point, Shay did get three first half fouls in that game two right in the first couple of minutes. And that, you know, ended up with 15 points. So they only had eight shots and never really got in a rhythm. And uh, anyway, so then in the USA game, Dylan Brooks, 12 of 18 overall, seven of eight on threes, 39 points, four rebounds, five assists. Only one turnover, two block shots and a steal, and the following quote. Okay, here we go. I was going to say, and two middle fingers up, too. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like Kobe Bryant. How you had to figure out... Well, hold on. How you have to figure out how to create a Black Mamba, a different persona when he comes on the court. So I guess that's my persona, the villain on the court. But I'm a loving, caring guy who loves my kids, loves my family, loves my teammates, and I just love the world as well. He's just a happy-go-lucky wow. Canadian, like the rest of them. Wants his poutine. That, that, that wasn't the, and there was Tim Hortons and life. There, is was, there were some middle finger quotes too. That wasn't that. That was not a middle finger quote. Um, I just like how he compared himself to Kobe. Well, I just I'm glad he's back to embracing the villain because, like, during the playoffs, the last time we heard from him it was like the media's portrayed me as like, what are you talking about, dude? But the only reason so anybody knows who also, Dylan Brooks is. 
So during, obviously on the last pod, I was talking about how he was getting booed like crazy because, you know, the Lakers rival stuff in this game. And look, the Filipino mm-hmm. fans were appreciative of him. Um, it wasn't like it was a deep seated hatred, but they started chanting MVP. Oh. Dylan flopped the crowd around and he, I asked him about it and he said, it was so enjoyable. The hate doesn't stop. It keeps going. Um, and then he said, it's hard to battle against the world and a team <laughs> oh that's the quote that i was thinking about when i was talking about the guns up with the middle digits so you know look he, he didn't clarify which team he was talking no, about he was but... miserable this year in memphis we heard him at his ex interview um i wasn't there for it but at his ex interview he very clearly stated how much he did not appreciate having the reduced offensive role uh, we've talked many, many times on this pod about just how much his shot selection was a major source of contention between him and the coaching staff and the front office and so on and so forth. I forgot who I was reading, but somebody I was, I was reading coverage of the World Cup and somebody mentioned that his shot selection was an issue during the playoffs, which I don't agree with that. Because during the playoffs, it wasn't that he was taking bad shots, it's that he was... T- the Lakers said, hey, we're not going to guard you. You please shoot the ball. We want you to shoot wide open shots because you can't make them, and we don't think you can. And that's why I can only imagine how great it feels for him to come off of that. Like, honestly, he was humiliated during the playoffs from the comments about LeBron blowing up in his face, but more so just they gave him invitation jump shots, and he could not make them to bounce back from that to have this tournament where he's putting up the shooting numbers you just read i mean this guy's got to feel like he's you know on top of the world man when i interviewed him and it's i mean look it's not really going to be much on sports center because the u.s open and the nba nfl to uh week one it'll be on nba today today i guarantee you there you go he's draped in the flag he's wearing his bronze medal and he can't hold back his smile. <laughs> so he's got every right. Um, hey, he's, he's earned it. it. It's he's been a hell of a summer for him. Not not the playoffs, but and he got and eighty six million. Yeah, I was gonna say from from July on, he's had one hell of a summer. Sure has, sure has. And look, yeah, if I he think comes if back you're, next uh, year, Rafael, if you're Rafael Stone, who gave him the eighty six million, and you're watching this, look, I don't know if he'll replicate it, but. You're petitioning for the Enough. international three-point line. That's who you're petitioning for. Get get that get that closer in three-point line. And the FIBA ball. Oh, yeah, the FIBA ball, you know what too. He, I'm, I'm, you I mean, know what if he, he could just said. become a 36% three-point shooter. I mean, he shot 32%, 32.9% last year. He was 30% the year before that. If he could just become a 36 37% three-point shooter, it would make a massive difference. Well, I don't it, expect it, him to, but, like, you don't have to shoot 45 or anything. Bontemps, while we're waiting for Prince Charming to wake up in the Philippines there, we were talking, like, he takes those uh, FIBA three-pointers all the time in the NBA. The problem is they're long twos in the NBA. That's right. They're all twos. (laughs) Um, He said that one of the things that helped him with his shot was this machine that that they had in Toronto. I think they were practicing at the Raptors facility. So I I would guess it's the the Raptors. Yeah. Noah is ubiquitous throughout the NBA, but it – it tells you the the um, angle, the uh, degree angle of your shot. And he said that he found a degree angle that he really liked using that machine. 
Um, I don't know what that degree angle was, but I, I'm fairly certain that they probably have a Noah in Memphis. But if they has, didn't has, have a Noah, better get one in Houston. Has Scotty <laughs> or, Barnes or, met Noah? <laughs> <laughs> or um, well, the Raptors you know, had a whole bunch of guys who couldn't hit a shot last year from three, so something wasn't working. Well, he 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 said that that was a uh, that was a factor. Although. Uh, Congratulations to Jordy Fernandez, who's an associate head coach of the Sacramento Kings, who took over uh, really in June of this program and, and won bronze. And he was extremely complimentary of Dylan, saying he can be on my team any day. And I think Jordy is going to be a uh, head coach in the NBA in the very near future. And this only helped his resume. Oh, look, but, I was, uh, a ma- I was a, just a huge game for them. Like, I mean, yeah. they hadn't they won one medal ever, and it was in the first ever Olympics in a major international competition. So to, the first to win ever the bronze, basketball Olympics, not the first right, ever Olympics. Right. First, first prime basketball is in the Olympics. So to, to win a bronze medal, to beat the U.S. in the bronze medal game, obviously they would have loved to beat Serbia. Certainly you look at Team USA losing and you think if you're the Canadians, that was, you know, a real obvious golden opportunity to win the tournament. But still, this is a to, to qualify for the Olympics, to win a medal. This has been a banner summer for them. And like McMahon said earlier, they go into next year as one of the absolute lock favorites to win the whole thing. They're going to be right there, especially if they get Wiggins and Jamal Murray on the team, which there's probably a pretty good chance they'll play. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Okay, before we go, the Germans, just to point something out, I am a believer that Team USA could benefit from going back to considering the Colangelo policy of getting together in three-year cycles. Now, the Colangelo policy, basically his thing was, if you want to play, if you want to play in Beijing, mm-hmm. you got to show up for the World Cup. Now, that isn't as feasible now because back then the World Cup was in the off Olympic year. It's not in back-to-back summers. I also think, by the way, one of the things that's hurt USA in recruiting for the World Cup is that, you know, Three consecutive major international events have been in Asia. Trust me, I've been there for every second of it. I have to take a 14-hour flight just to get to the West Coast today. It is not an enjoyable trip. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. That um, is, is a close to cousin to the windy sleep update, the windy travel <laughs> update. Well, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, um, that was all factors. So I don't think it's apples to apples. But my point is, is that Germany finished 18th 
in the 2019 World Cup. Uh, they finished eighth out of 12 in the Olympics in Tokyo. They were, I guess, mildly better, but not mm. really. I mean, they, they, you know, they, they were able to outlast Iran, you know, teams like that. Um, Czech Republic. Actually, I think the Czech Republic might have made the quarters. Um, last year, they said, we're going to get this team together. They hired a new coach, um, and they said, we're going to do a three-year commitment. And, and their style and their, 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 this was basically year two of it. And look, they've been very much helped because Franz Wagner has come onto the team, and he is very, very good. I mm-hmm. think he's going to be an all-star with the Magic. Maybe not this year but he's going to be an all-star. Um, but they basically like, look, we're going to do it. We're going to start a thing here. And the Canadians did the same thing. They like, you know, they got together and played last summer. The, 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 the Germans got together and played last summer. This is, yes, there are players on this team that have played. Like I said, Schroeder was back playing for the team in 2015. But I think that year over year, they were sort of a year ahead of the U.S. And look, I don't, I'm not arguing to bring this team to the Olympics next year. But I do think that there's something to be said. And, and as soon as Grant Hill took over, so first one of the first questions I asked him on the record, are you going to have an expectation of guys to have to, you know, to, to be eligible for the Olympics to, to be a part of this? And he said no. And he said that because he doesn't think that that's an expectation we can get players in 2023. Yeah. He doesn't, th- I mean, I'm not saying it's a stupid call. I'm just saying that he's making that choice because he thinks if he put that rule down, he wouldn't be able to get these guys. Well, but I do think it's something that you don't have LeBron. Yeah. You don't have LeBron making, you know, eyes emojis about the possibility of playing in Paris 2024. Like there's, you're not getting three-year commitments from the elite American veteran players. Okay. And I'm just going to say, if that's the case, you're still, you're going to, you're going to be in this brave new world where you're going to be fighting to win medals. Well, Um, Yeah. So anyway, well, and the Germans Germany take it seriously. Just yes. real quick, Schroeder, I mean, Schroeder ran off Maxi Kleba. Maxi wanted to come back and play this year. He didn't play, despite the fact that Eurobasket was in Germany. He did not play last year when he was negotiating a contract extension. You know, he's had some significant health problems. The Mavs, frankly, didn't want him playing because they just came off a long playoff run and you know some health issues, et cetera, et cetera. He was ready to play this year and. Schroeder basically said, dude, you weren't here last year. We don't, we don't want you this year. And it was, it was, you know, he's not going to uh, get any Boy Scout badges for the way that uh, he, he said those things, but that shows you how seriously that they, that uh, Schroeder takes that. Well, look, we, our basketball uh, ecosystem is not interested in the world cup and it's not a tournament that we care about. Let's just say it like it is, right? It's if I we are interested in it. A ton of NBA players are in it. It's been a fun tournament to watch. Team US, the USA basketball structure, the top players, they're not worried about playing in the World Cup. They're worried about playing in the Olympics. So to yeah, if you're Grant Hill, if you're like, hey, play in the World Cup and the Olympics, you're not gonna get any of the guys that you want to play in the Olympics to play in it. And so that's the difference between where and this goes back to what I talked about at the beginning. These other countries, yeah, their teams aren't quite as good, but Dennis Schroeder's playing every year. Bogdan Bogdanovich is playing every year. Luka's playing every year. This Canadian team could have these guys start playing all the time. These guys who have grown up and they're a new wave of players coming through. Like the American team is, to your point, Brian, never going to have that. 
And so that is, it's just going to be a fact that they're going to have to try to come up against and maybe it'll end up meaning that they don't win in Paris or they just have so much talent yeah, that well, they win the anyway. So but the, the, the reason that they went to that was because they lost in Athens. It wasn't because mm-hmm. <clears throat> they lost in Indianapolis. In, in 2002, that the U.S. finished sixth. It didn't, it wasn't right. a problem until they, until they didn't get the gold in 2004. And um, they've won four consecutive Olympic golds. I'm just going to say to you, they won in Tokyo by the skin of their teeth. Mm-hmm. Because Kevin Durant was absolutely otherworldly. He was the hero. Now, a lot of other guys contributed, but Kevin Durant was the hero. So I'm telling you that they won by the skin of their teeth and they finished fourth this year. And next year, it's going to be a war because Serbia didn't win, but they're in. That means Jokic is going to be able to play if he's healthy. The French are in because they're hosting. Mm-hmm. Victor is going to play, and we'll see where they are playing at home. Uh, Serbia, I mean, um, obviously Germany is going to be the defending world champions. All these guys are going to come back and play. Canada. Um, Canada, my God. You know, so. It's, hey, Latvia had a run. They're getting Porzingis, or probably. Yeah, they could qualify, uh, you know. Slovenia could qualify. Spain could qualify. All like it's going to be a loaded, it's going to be a loaded field. And like that's, you know, that's the thing. Like that 2021 team, you compare it to this year's team, it is a vastly more talented team. And that, that team went right down to the end of the gold medal game. Like it, like you said, Brian, it wasn't some massive blowout win for them. Like those days are over. So I think this is sort of what we just have to expect going forward. And, the rest of the world is a lot more talented and the the top players on those teams are just a lot more committed to playing year after year after year with their national teams. And that's going to put them in a stronger position in these tournaments. Hey, and maybe in next August, we're going to be doing a podcast from Paris where they're going to be saying they, um, they got it done. Hey, if you um, can, if you with your enthusiasm for these live shows can get us a live show in Paris, then I'll really be impressed. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> we did a live show in uh, Manila. We might be able to sell out a small arena. <laughs> and then, hey, then we can use the we can use the uh, proceeds to fund our trip to Paris. <laughs> you guys are inexplicably incredibly popular. Pride with me. Oh, we're oh inexplicably. That's a, the yeah inexplicably. Yeah, yeah that definitely, <laughs> definitely a backhanded smack. Yeah. Uh, all right, I've got to uh, go to the airport. Uh, congratulations to Germany. The U.S. has got some. Boy, the U.S. is flying home today too, and that is going to be going to be a long a flight. Flight. That is going to be a rough flight. So, um, all right, I will talk to you guys later this week. Um, thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thank you to McMahon. We will uh, talk to you later this week, stateside. Adios, amigos, and in honor of the Germans' win, off Wiedersehen Freunde. <laughs> I'm not sure I pronounced that right. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> who? What? Auf Wiedersehen Freunde. Dirk is going to be mad at you for that one. No, oh, man. that's bad? It means <laughs> adios, amigos, in German. <laughs> Have a nice day.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.